She has represented New Zealand in four sports, taekwondo, football, frisbee, and of course now rugby as a black fern. Renee Holmes is a sensation on the field with all black legend Dan Carter calling her goal kicking skills outstanding. What you might not know about Renee is just how far she's traveled to get where she is today, literally. Her dad, Laurie, drove her up to 11 hours a day to get to practice at games. This girl from Gisborne Girls High School has come a very long way. Once told she wasn't welcome at football training with the boys, she bravely switched codes to rugby. And what a great decision that was. A very warm welcome to you, kia ora, Renee, and thanks for taking time to be with me on the podcast today. Kia ora, Wendy. <laughs> great to be here for having me. Thank you. So congratulations on all your success. Pulling on the Black Ferns jersey for the first time. How proud a moment was that? It was honestly a dream come true. Um, I knew my whole life I wanted to represent our country. Um, I always wanted to have the fern on my chest. And obviously, like you said, there was a few other pathways along the way, um, different sports. And then now I think I've really, you know, found the found my passion and found what I want to um yeah do for the rest of my life and and help encourage you know the rest of Aotearoa and younger generation that they can you know dream big and and giving give everything a go um that's something I obviously did and it's really helped me so yeah pulling on that black jersey for the first time was a feeling like no other and I just knew how much it you know meant to my whanau and and my community as well, like they played a big part in that. So that was a pretty proud moment for me and, you know, my my village. Yeah, and um, amazing. And I'm sure you are inspiring lots of younger girls. Let's talk mm. about Eden Park. It was sold out, the Women's Rugby World Cup. It was so exciting to watch. What was it like being on the field? It was honestly insane. I honestly could never have ever dreamed of that moment. Um being, you know, on that field, surrounded by, it was about 40,000, but it definitely felt like 5 million. It felt like the whole <laughs> nation was in that stadium with us. Um, very grateful. We got to experience uh, quite a big crowd in that opening round, um, you know, coming because it was different. You know, you can't hear each other on the field. Um, that atmosphere, everyone's roaring. It's so loud, you know, so to be able to experienced that in round one um was was really great leading into into finals footy because we were we were prepped for that um we got those nerves out of the way um so it was really really exciting just seeing how much the nation got behind us and for you know people said that we weren't going to do it and to be able to you know turn that turn that comment around and and prove to everyone that women's rugby is here and, and and our nation loves it so that was pretty cool it was so cool. It was absolutely spine tingling. And I loved also seeing the team spirit, the camaraderie between the Black Ferns. You're all so tight. How important is that to you? I think that was a game changer, um, our connection within the group. We got to a space where, you know, girls weren't getting selected, but they were there making you be the best in your position, even if you're in the same position. Um you know, our weeks started it started getting tough. You know, it was it's a tough spot to be in in high performance sport when when you're not making selection or it's hard. Um, it's hard. Then that's just that's how it is. But we got we got our team to a space where it was it took thirty two to to win each game and 
and that's so powerful in itself. And I think, like you said, the community, everyone saw it. Everyone saw how connected we were, and it was all genuine. Yeah, um, mm. It was genuine love for each other, and and we all had the same purpose and vision, and we all wanted to do it together. Yeah, because not making the selection, I'm sure you've been through that at times. That is tough, isn't it? So how do you get over that and come together as a team? Yeah, it definitely is tough because obviously everybody wants to be out there um, playing. But I think without, you know, realising um, the ones that weren't playing, honestly, we're prepping, we're pre we prepped the team to, to go out there and do their best. Like our Thursday trainings were insane. Um because we were playing, you know, the starting 15 versus the non-players or the bench. And and that team usually got up every every Thursday. Like, they were putting the heat on. Everyone just, like I said, everyone just understood that we needed all 32 to be able to, to, be able to go out there and, and win. So with everyone being on that, that same vision, it, it just made it so much easier. And it was a campaign like no other that you just wanted to be a part of. Yeah, you could totally see that closeness and it was amazing to see. What about mentors? You're so young and you're surrounded by Portia mm. Woodman, Ruby Tui. Uh, how pivotal do you think that's been to your success? It's honestly been so crazy. I remember when I first switched over um, to rugby and watching the the Rio Olympics and, you know, all those Wahine tour and how big women's rugby was then. Like it started breaking through then when those when those women were putting us, you know, on a map. And, and so, like, honestly, I couldn't believe, um, actually, even when I went, made my first Northern tour, when I had Portia Woodman and Renee Wincliffe mm -hmm. on my outside, like, man, that was insane. I mm -hmm. I, I never could have imagined, um, you know, playing in the same team as then. So, yeah, come World Cup time, when we had the likes of Ruby Tui come over and Stacey, Flula, Teresa Fitzpatrick, Kendra Coxedge, like, it was honestly incredible um I've learned so much off of them um in terms of you know how to uphold yourself as a professional athlete to being able to enjoy those small moments off the field as well um so yeah it was definitely they've definitely played a big part in in my career so far and I'm just grateful that I've hopefully got a few more years in me so that'd yeah. be yeah totally awesome. How does it, so when you say, when you look to your side and you see all these experienced women beside <laughs> you, like, how do you get over that? It must have been, initially, you must have been thinking, uh, where am I? Am I um, how yeah. do you get over that? Is it, do you do the imposter syndrome where you just, uh, you just be it, you imagine it, you are, or it wasn't really daunting? Yeah, um, I think the cool thing about it was those, you know, those those players are so, they're amazing, obviously, rugby players, but they're they're even amazing, more amazing like people. So I I really felt like they believed in me. Um, there wasn't a second that went by where I didn't think they had my back. So having that belief from them gave belief like to myself. So that I was in the right place. I was meant to be there. And so it just made it so much better. Like it, obviously I was in disbelief for a, for a little bit, <laughs> but the second, um, yeah, I was on the field with them. I knew like this is where I was meant to be. And it was pretty cool. And that's a tribute to them and how, how awesome to have those amazing, as you say, wahine toa behind you. And I love how, you know, you mentioned being a good person, being a good teammate, having integrity. That's as important as, as being part of the team culture. Let's talk about that. How important is it to be a good person? Yeah, I think if you want to be, I guess, you know, the best, um, the best player you ever could be, you can only 
achieve that by being the best person off the field as well. Um, I don't think there's many players in the women's game, to be fair, that um, ain't good people off the field. And I think that's why women's rugby is thriving at the moment because we genuinely, you know, and um, acknowledge that you've got to, you've got to be the best off the field to be the best on the field. So it's quite a it's quite a special piece, I think, in the women's game at the moment. Um, and that's something that Smithy also brought into World Cup. He was, he's a, he's a coach that, he's an amazing coach and he has the name of the professor for a reason, but he's an even better person. And I think that was just a flow on effect and everyone, you know, we, it was probably one of the first times I've been coached by a coach that has been like that, you know, players first and, got to really know his players and understand his players. So I think that really thrived in our environment and all the girls, you know, we we all understand that you need to be a, you know, the best off the field to be on the field. So that's something real special in the women's game. Yeah, and you said that that was the first time you sort of had that, that, that they put the players first. That is quite incredible and it just shows you, I mean, that you haven't actually had that before. Yeah, so that was actually, yeah, quite huge. I've obviously had an amazing coach as a, along the way in my career so far but Smithy definitely um definitely tops tops that end of you know trying to drive good people off the field we were out in the community doing as much as we could um leading into the World Cup and even during World Cup you know World Cup was a busy time and there were times we you know you just wanted to put your feet up and rest but we were actually out in the community um growing the game and getting to know you know um more about our community so that's something Smithy definitely drove and I think he's left a bit of a legacy in that space which will carry on for for a while now in the black jersey yeah that's great to see and so it sounds like you've learned so much and just in the last year would you say that's <laughs> yeah. been the growth the biggest growth that you've seen in the last year in terms of your personal and also professional rugby career hundred percent like the last 12 months have been absolutely insane um you know it all started from the start of the year last year when I made the made the quarter move down south and and play for my tattoo and super rugby um that's where my year kicked off I think I had I had such a fun um enjoyable campaign down here got out of my comfort zone met new people new teammates new coaches new environment um, representing, obviously still have the same purpose and representing, you know, my whanau and community, but it was really cool to be able to come down here and, and grow the game in the South Island, like something I didn't think I would, you know, ever do. I always grew up watching the Crusaders and my little brother was born down here, so to actually be able to come down and, and give back in that aspect was was crazy. And and then leading on, yeah, as soon as Smithy came into the environment in Black Ferns, I've never learned so much about rugby, but also myself and in the space of um the time we had so definitely the last 12 months has been so much growth on and off the field and I just want that to continue yeah so what did you learn about yourself as you say the biggest growth you've ever had what did you learn about Renee Holmes um that's a really good question I actually think we kind of talked about it just before around that belief piece because Obviously, like coming over from a different sport, um, I've always kind of been in the learning pit and I've always been the one learning from others. And then so last year, I kind of just step up a little bit more as a leader. And um, I've always kind of been a leader in my other sports. But yeah, when I did make the switch over, I kind of just tried being a sponge and soaking everything up. So last year was definitely 
stepping up and being more of a leader. Um, so for that to happen, I had to believe in myself. I had to believe, you know, I was where I was meant to be. And I definitely had, you know, me and dad sat down and we would make plans and set goals. And and it was to play at the 2025 World Cup. Um, there was, you know, we thought, obviously it'd be amazing if I was to play at the 2021, but in terms of where I was in rugby and, and everything, I thought that was quite, you know, it's quite far out of reach. So um, when, you know, when I start, started yeah. making squads and everything started happening a bit sooner, I really had to um, pull on that belief part. Yeah. 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 So that was probably one yourself. of my, yeah. Oh, it's great. And even um, moving down to, down to Christchurch, believing that, you know, um, I was all in. I, I I chose that decision, and no matter what anybody said, I believed in myself that that was the right call, and it honestly done me wonders. So just yeah. being able to do that kind of courageous, courageous stuff and putting myself out there, and it it all ended up working out in the end. So yeah, that was pretty special. Yeah, so special. Yeah, because in a very short time, you've gone from basically a new rugby player to a black fern. I mean, is there? What sort of pressure do you feel and how do you deal with that pressure? Um, I think I've been really lucky my whole life in terms of like pressure. I've never really had pressure on me um, growing up to to be a sports player, to be the most smartest at school, to go to uni. I've never endured like pressure from my, my family or my parents. Um, they've always kind of just been like, you know, you, you do what you want to do, Bob, and will support her in any way possible. So I think that's really translated into and in, over into my sporting um journey because I don't often feel too much pressure because I'm doing something I love. So it's um I try and enjoy every moment regardless and and so dealing with pressure is something I find I haven't really dealt with a lot. Um even during World Cup it was more privileged pressure. You know, there was so many other you know players that wanted to be there um but we were we were privileged we were the ones that got chosen to, to yeah. represent our country in that moment and so we we all kind of looked to it to be privileged pressure rather than the weight of the nation on your shoulders and yes. even going into the competition obviously it being a home world cup there has all sorts of pressure but we we turned it around and took it as yeah as privileged pressure so it was pretty pretty cool well let's go back yeah. to growing up you're a, you're a gizzy girl you played so many sports uh what was that like yeah um I absolutely loved growing up in Gisborne looking when I go when I get to go back these um days it's not very often but when I do I just feel so at peace and and it just brings me back to you know all my all my childhood memories um I yeah grew up there pretty much my whole life and looking looking at it now as well around the in terms of um all the different sports I got to play. I don't think I would have been able to have the opportunity if I lived anywhere else, you know, Gisborne was quite small. So, you know, you kind of just to get out of the house, you'd play anything and everything. And <laughs> I think growing, <laughs> growing up with dad and my little brother and, and that there, um, we always were watching sport on the TV or we were always outside doing something. It was, I was very lucky to have like an outdoor kind of upbringing and with all my siblings and stuff. So it was very it's very, I'm very privileged to have come from um, Gisborne and we're a very tight-knit community that support each other. So when I was, you know, um, playing all my different sports and stuff, the community definitely, I could feel them always behind me, regardless with what I'd done. And um, 
on it was such a special moment to honestly to go back Mm. and um take a world cup gold medal like Mm. that is something I'll never ever forget and just to see the amount of people that turned up whanau and friends and Mm. fans and just oh honestly my heart was exploding. (laughs) That's so cool. They're so proud of you. And let's talk about your dad, Laurie. I mean, he drove hours and hours each day from Gisborne to Palmerston North. That was an 11-hour road trip then from when we did rugby, it was Gisborne to Hastings. It's a shorter seven-hour return trip. He was (laughs) such a dedicated dad. What was that like? Yeah, when I, honestly, at the time, I didn't really, like, obviously, when you're a kid, didn't really, like, function how long, and how taxing <laughs> driving is and yeah. oh my goodness when I got my driver's license and started driving around even just around Gisborne and I was like oh my gosh and then I started realizing like man I started doing my first out-of-town trips I was like wow how did he do it how <laughs> did my dad do that you know we were leaving school I was lucky enough school was ending early on a Wednesday and so I would get in the car straight away and drive straight to Hastings for rugby training and then drive straight back and it would be like one o'clock or two o'clock in the morning when we got home and, you know, I'd try my hardest to stay up. I'd always stay up on the way there and then I'd try the first few hours on the way home and then he'd be like, just go to sleep, bud, you've got school tomorrow. So I have no idea how how we did that, but it was really yeah. cool. Um, During World Cup, he actually got interviewed around it and it actually made me really emotional hearing him um, speak around it. And he just said that he wanted to give me us kids me um so like he just wanted to give us what he didn't have and Mm. he just has always like I said backed me with whatever I've wanted to do in life like I could I literally could stop rugby tomorrow and he'd be as happy as he is is today that I am playing um he's always just wanted me to follow my dreams and and have no restrictions on it like they did mm. like he he loved soccer he was a big big football fan and he had dreams and aspirations but he unfortunately didn't get to fulfill those dreams due to other things so but I think that was him you know um through me being able to give me those opportunities and yes. making sure living in a small remote you know place um we can still achieve and go do big things that's wonderful and also not putting too much pressure on you or making you feel like it you didn't have to play because he wanted you to which is really special and you're obviously really really close how big a part yeah. has he played in your development in your sports oh he's probably the the big has had the biggest impact on my career for sure um from day dot um yeah he He's always obviously encouraged me to do whatever I want. And so over the the last few years, he's obviously been my biggest, he's always been my biggest supporter, but he used to actually coach me growing up. So it's quite quite nice (laughs) to just be a supporter these days. But that that means he's, you know, traveling to literally every game possible. Um, He's flown, he flew down to Dunedin in our first run at OPIC. He came to Christchurch on the weekend. Um. Awesome. That man, you'll see him at every game, and <laughs> and it's like quite cool because like all the girls know him now too. Like they know that yeah. he's, he's. What do like they call him? Fan. Oh no, they just they just call him Loza. Ah, Loza, <laughs> Loza's here. He's here. Yeah, Loza's yeah. here. Everything, the world is good. Do you think that was his proudest moment, seeing you play for the Black Ferns? Do you think out of all your whole career, that might be the thing, or maybe there's something else? Um. Mom, uh, I think 
I think it's probably definitely up there, 100%. Um, I'll never forget that semi-final against France. And I just walked over to him after the game. And he was, I could see his eyes were tearing and he doesn't cry very often. Like <laughs> I've only probably seen him cry like three or four times in my life. <laughs> and his eyes were very tearing. And then obviously I started boiling, boiling my eyes out. And then he just hugged me and he said, we did it, bub. We did it. Mm. And like... Oh, it just, um, that moment then and there, just, honestly, it was like a hug full of flashbacks of everything we'd been through to um, get to, to that point. Like, we, we'd done it. We, yeah. We, uh, in a World Cup me goosebumps. God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and There's actually a photo of it, and it's probably one of my, like, the best photos I've ever had or ever seen or ever felt in my life. Like, yeah. there's someone captured a photo of it, and it's just... Need to put that like, in a frame. Like Need to frame that one. Yeah, it's a framer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And rugby. Yeah. Let's talk about because rugby wasn't your first choice. You made the switch to football uh, at 16 years of age. Why Why did you make that switch? Yeah. Um, so I was, yeah, really, very, very keen young football girl. And I had dreams, aspirations of going and playing in American college college and being a football fan and I was actually very close to um I was already starting to talk to American universities it was quite quite crazy when I look back at it now like how it all changed within within like the click of your fingers like I I just remember I was up in Auckland playing for the New Zealand under 17s in their National Women's League and and I ended up coming home after that season and I because I just realized man I want to my little brother, he's only got, I've only got two more years at home if I, you know, year 12 and 13. Uh, I really want to be there for him and, and, and be there for dad in those last two years. So I ended up make, moving back to Gisborne in hopes of um, being able to continue growing as a football player by playing in the men's league. And that was something I actually got told before I went to Auckland. If I had turned 16 and been in the representative side, which I did those two things, um, I'd be able to come back and play. So I was kind of like, oh, you know, it's not that bad of like going back. And then I, yeah, went to play in the men's league and ended up getting turned around and saying that a girl playing in our in the league will will ruin the culture of the sport. And I was absolutely gutted. Um, I was real gutted because I knew that was my only chance of getting better. Of if I wanted to live in Gisborne, that was the only way I was going to grow as a as a football player. If I wanted to keep up with all those other girls that are training in Auckland, getting provided the best of the best. Um, so when that when that when that sh- um shut down on me, I I kind of had like a really big reflection within myself around um around like it felt like they didn't like I won't bring them up, but. Um, that region wanted didn't want me to succeed like I thought they did. Like mm. we hadn't had a football player out of that region in a long time, and I I really like wanted to be that. And yeah. so when that kind of happened, my literally it was like the next day, my friend asked one of my best friends asked, "Hey, do you want to come down to like a sevens training?" It, it honestly, it'll be like chillers. Like the coaches are really cool. Like there's a few really cool girls. It's like the start of they're just starting it up, and I was like, you know what, like. Yeah, like sure, like why not? Yeah, I love I love everything and everything, so I'm sure they'll be cool. And then yeah, I literally turned up and I had the time of my life. I don't know, like 
it was so much fun. The coaches were amazing. I was with playing with some of my best friends. Like I just, I just felt like I belonged. Like I, that was yeah. where I was meant to be. And and it was that year I think the Olympics were on and go for gold and like oh man it was it was like just everything kind of just started happening and I started feeling some kind of way and yeah and then yeah it's like a doors moment almost yeah one door closes yeah yeah so one door yeah and um and then yeah so that year literally took off for me in terms of rugby um we were playing in tournaments I was getting recognized um I got I was going getting asked to go to kids and I was so I was only one year in like I was like man this this path there was a pathway you know for yeah for women at that so point good. for me um it was more of the sevens I was I wasn't re- I wasn't playing 15s at that when I first came over I just done a year of sevens because that's all we could um have in in Gisborne and then I think dad kind of saw how how much I could potentially how far I could potentially go in this game and he that's when the next year he said bud do you want to do it do you want to you want to commit like we can I, I'll commit if you want to like and then yeah he that's when we decided we'll go down and play for Hastings HRS and and start and then playing the rest is history <laughs> yeah then <laughs> next minute let's let's go and play for the Black Ferns it's just amazing hearing that and also hopefully things have progressed a bit more where you know where you aren't feeling like you were going to ruin the culture of the game because that must have been yeah. pretty tough and you know you were 16 it would have I think I read where it said you shattered your dream so that must yeah. have been really difficult because yeah it was it was really difficult um and it did yeah it did shatter my dreams in a in a way like um because I was just so torn I was so gutted that I you know I couldn't live at home and be around my family um if I wanted to keep doing, you know, chasing my dreams, like I was real, like I really wanted to be there for my little brother. Like he was st- still so young and, and I really missed him too. So yeah. to, you said you felt like a of, bit of a mother figure to him, didn't you? So he was a yeah. big responsibility for you, which yeah. you wanted to be there for him. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I didn't want to yeah, miss those last two years that I, I could have had at home. So yeah, it, it, it definitely broke my heart in a mm. way um, that I couldn't, couldn't keep doing the two things I wanted to do and would you say that that was the biggest hurdle you've had to overcome that moment was that the biggest thing in in your career in your sporting career of four sports representing New Zealand (laughs) would that be it yeah yeah I definitely think that that is it and it's probably been one of the biggest like learnings but blessings in my life so like every day I'm I'm so grateful that had happened like even though it, it absolutely sucked and it was real hard at that time um look where I am now you know like I would have that would never would have happened if I'd continued to play if they had said yes and and let me play like yeah so it's pretty amazing yeah yeah it's rugby's game that's for sure so what's next what's next for you you're obviously playing in Christchurch and it's going fantastically well and you've got some big international meets coming up this year yeah so this year's um obviously man it's a it's definitely a, a different kind of um thing to navigate coming on the coming um back off you know a world cup at home um you know the, all the hype yeah. all of the um you know how back to how reality <laughs> back to reality like it literally is something I don't think gets talked about like we didn't have a lot of time off um we think I think we had three weeks after the world cup and then we were expected back in at the gym over Christmas like it was quite a funny concept and um 
So it's been quite... Yeah, that post high, the high, it's hard coming down off those amazing highs. People that go to the Olympics talk about that as well. They say it's really hard to come down after you've had such amazing time. And it's like, and it's crazy, like, you know, goal setting after a World Cup like that when, you know, you... That was the goal. (laughs) Yeah, like the best, like you can't top, you can't top that. Like how do you top that? You've literally, we got to live out the dream of everybody, like, who everybody dreams of um a home world cup winning a home world cup but a sold out crowd the nation absolutely in love with the women's game like you can't really get much better than that no. so for me it's been a, um a really big like learning and and growing space and I think that's a big reason why I did come back to Christchurch because I absolutely love it down here and I feel like I you know grow grow on and off the field a lot a lot more here and um being out actually sit down and and make some goals um obviously yeah we've got those tests a few I think it's eight all up eight test matches this year so and that's huge not being a real yeah. cup that is so big for, for the women's shows game you the, 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 the momentum is, is going to keep going for the women's rugby yeah. which is so good yeah they 100% need needed to keep the momentum going after that world cup um so I'm, I'm really like I'm so happy that they've finally released some dates so so we do, you know, who can prep yeah. for the year. And I think for me now, um, I guess once since that World Cup's finished, I, I guess it's now just bigger picture again, like prepping for the next World Cup. That's in two and a bit years. Like it, I feel like I'm going to blink and it's going to be here. And it's in England um, at Twickenham. Wow, you know, 80,000. Cool. That, that, that holds 80,000. So in two Insane. years, I think, you know, the women's game is going to yeah. be, be that big to be able to sell it in 80,000. Um, so so good to see women's rugby taking up to that next level yeah yeah that's honestly so so incredible and obviously we're making um shifts here in New Zealand around it but you know big ups to all of the other nation like national teams like you know England their their comp is just getting better and bigger and you know the French um their comp over there too it's it's exciting like we're not the only ones trying to you know um grow, grow, grow it so it's great doing such a, yeah. a good job over there and yeah I think I think coming off the back of that World Cup um I never never expected you know like I always remember dad said Bob, you're gonna be goal kicking at a World Cup one day like you need to keep practicing you need to keep practicing mm. it's always been it's always been in my ear ever since I came over to the rugby keep <laughs> and, kicking um, keep kicking yeah <laughs> so honestly for me to be goal kicking at that World Cup was crazy um I hadn't been kicking for my for any other teams leading into the World Cup really um I played three games for Par- for, uh, for Waikato and the Farrah Palmer um and I I think I got I got to goal kick in those three games but every other year like the last few years um I've kind of I know I know I can goal kick but I've kind of just sat in the background and let others put their hand up um yeah and then yeah, you know it was quite yeah, so it was quite cool when Smithy came in because it was like a fresh, you know, fresh start. He didn't know anything about anybody. So when he asked the when he asked who can kick, like there was about seven of us all jumped up and started like goal kicking. And then for him to actually recognise me, like, oh, it was so crazy. And then he got Dan Carter in and then DC, like, you know, started mentoring me. It was a dream it, come honestly, true. Dream come true. <laughs> yeah. I remember watching started growing up and like yeah. even um so yeah I think for me now the goals for me I want to be I want to be the best goal kicker in the world um 
come that next World Cup, I want to be, yeah, the best, the best of the best. And so I've got two and a bit years to, to yes. get to that space. And you will. So, Great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Renee, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. I, I loved our chat. Good luck for the rest of the season. And we no doubt we'll be seeing you uh, at the next World Cup in Twickenham. Woo, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> thanks.